this this is like this is the prototypical husband wife conversation where like you are stuck on one thing and I'm giving you the answer and it's not good enough. <laughs> Would you just send me the fucking files? Why can't you open the files? Oh, I'm going. I don't know, and I, I don't. I'm going to stab you. I'm going. I'm going to come through this phone and murder you in the hotel. This is another edition of Kaiju Transmissions. This is uh, Bird. And Matt. Yes. And we're back uh, for something that I think requires a little bit of explanation. Because this is our attempt to preserve in audio form the interviews we did at G-Fest. Now, if you actually listened to our G-Fest recap from when we got back... We described the process of interviewing the Japanese guests, uh, which the interviews themselves went well, which is the good news. Matt, would you like to tell us what the bad news was? (laughs) I like how you just just handed the baton over. Uh, Oh, man. Where do I start? Um, This was like a perfect storm of events. Uh, Basically, there was us, uh, Kaiju Cast tokusatsu network and uh there was another person interviewing and we were all kind of in the same room and we were all doing interviews at once right which was not a, it was not a big room either it wasn't a big room so you get you get a pretty decent amount of background noise but the real issue was that in the midst of recording we had our microphone set up and one of the mics um literally went defunct and would not work at all um like right before the first interview so we're scrambling to correct and go to another basically setup. Unfortunately, uh, the technical difficulties, um, we were using like an open air mic, which again, when you have an open air mic um, and you have to adjust the setting so it's picking up more volume as opposed to having the dual setup we were going for, it basically picked up um, all the background noise and it was also focused kind of the wrong direction. I had a setting screwed up and I didn't realize it till freaking like, the next day. Um, also, if you were to listen to the interview, Kyle Yount, I love you, man, but you talk so loud, our mic picked up everything you said. <laughs> so if we had played the audio, um, you would have heard Kaiju Transmissions with guest starring uh, Kaiju Cast. And uh, man, he, he's got the best you know, radio voice in the universe, and our mic loved him. Unfortunately, it loved him more than us. So if, <laughs> if people would have listened to our actual raw audio file. There was nothing we could do. We had a sound guy, Chris, um, who's actually done sound work. He tried to fix it. We tried to fix it. We spent a couple of hours after, you know, the interviews trying to correct the audio and it just 
they were not salvageable. So like if you would have listened to it, you would have been gouging out your ears, wondering why we put you through this pain. So we have an alternative. What is this alternative that we have, Bird? Can you explain to him what we're doing? Well, um, first of all, uh, <laughs> shout out to Kyle. We love you, but <laughs> we heard as oh, dude, much you're, as you. You're, you're an awesome guy. Let, 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 let backtrack. We got to meet – I met Kyle for the first time. Um, I'm going to say Kyle from KaijuCast because obviously, Bird, you're, you're Kyle as well. But yes. we met Kyle uh, – I met him for the first time this G-Fest, and he's an awesome guy. And actually, he was kind of the one that, that put together the interviews, and he, him along with uh, Jeff Horn kind of allowed us to orchestrate the interviews. And, you know, obviously, they don't give that opportunity to just everybody. Um, also, shout out to Tim Bean. He was the guy responsible for getting the the guests from point A to point B. He's kind of the, the person that maintains their schedule. All, all that stuff requires work. Um, and so I'm just really thankful that we even had the opportunity. But also, man, Kyle, your voice, man. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it was it wasn't just his voice. It was it was all the chatter in the background yeah. from other people talking, and and plus, I'm a terrible um, sound guy. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. This is my fault. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, it it is. But also, you know, we you know we were really scrambling to get started, and I think if we took some more time, or uh, I mean, I I could have even gone and got my computer and tried my setup. I mean, we just it, it was uh it was just not well mess, handled yeah. on our part um yeah so we, in a, we it, have since we have since corrected that issue i have better sound equipment now it's been fixed <laughs> and we we have we actually have some other things coming out in the near future um with better audio so please forgive us for for this <laughs> yeah um so uh our alternative, and this is an experiment, so I mean, if this format doesn't work out and you don't listen to the whole thing, that's fine. Um, first of all, uh, right here, what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of go through the interviews and summarize each question and answer, um, and kind of if we have any specific thoughts or insights into uh, the, the answer they gave to our question, we'll, we'll discuss those for a little bit as well. Um, if you find that format too weird or if you think that it, it doesn't work, again, th this is us just trying to salvage what we can and make the best out of a bad situation and, and um, make sure you know we're doing everything to keep these interviews from going to waste. Uh, but if you, if you think that this weird, uh, thing we're doing with this episode, uh, is, isn't working out, which it very well might not work to the listener. I don't know. Um, uh, we will point you to the wonderful blog, Mazer Patrol. In my honest opinion, probably, uh, one of the best, probably the best, regularly maintained blog on Japanese sci-fi and tokusatsu. Um, and Kevin um, Derendorf, who runs Mazer Patrol, has agreed to um, put these up as blog entries. So again, if, if you find that the weird thing we're doing with this episode, that this format isn't working, uh, go on to Mazer Patrol and read them, because they're good interviews and we want them to stick around. Um, so go to mazerpatrol.wordpress.com. And again, uh, sincere thank you to Kevin for uh, um, agreeing to, to do that for us. And hopefully... Maybe uh, some of his readers will get turned on to the podcast, and some of you listeners will go check out his blog. And um, so uh, before we, we get into that, uh, we have a couple pieces of fan mail. Um, the, the first one, and uh, we don't really need to talk about it, 
uh, well, I want to I, I want to mention this weird video of Steve Wang, the director of the Giver films. Uh, it's it's a video that was sent to us from an address that is just like a bunch of random letters and numbers at gorillamail.com. Uh, OC one two P plus B five Y I M E Y X J O S H W. Yeah, why us... do we open this link? Is the first <laughs> that's the first question. Sent us uh, uh, a video with no text, and it's just a video of the director Steve Wang talking about like the Giver movies. Um, we do have a Giver episode that we will be putting out at some point in the future. I don't know if whoever this person is knows that, uh, but um, it, it was just very bizarre. Maybe it is Steve Wang operating under some kind of uh, <laughs> alien. I don't know. Um, uh, it, 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 that was very strange. So whoever you are, um, we appreciate you uh, educating us on the work of Steve Wang. Uh, maybe just include you know a name, who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it, uh, next time you, you send us an email. Um, other than that, if you're listening, uh, thank you, I guess. Um, then uh, I want to read um, some mail from someone that we gave a shout-out to on our Nakajima episode, and that is Paul Fox, uh, a listener. Um, and I'll read his letter here. He says, I want to give you a quick, a quick shout-out of appreciation for the show. I discovered it a few months back via the audio ad on Podcast on Fire. Uh, Podcast on Fire is a kind of a collective of various podcasts about Asian films, and Matt and I have a, a little uh, advertisement that they've been playing, so shout-out to them as well. Uh, and I've been lo- loving working my way through the back history of episodes. I'm not quite uh, caught up, but should be soon. I was always a big Godzilla fan. Other followed other, uh, la, la, la. I'm okay. <laughs> followed other kaiju as well. The episodes have been a great refresher and gotten me excited to revisit all of them. Well, with the possible exception of the 98 film, but oh well, I can't blame him there. Uh, but your other Toho episodes, such as the Dracula, Matango, etc., have really given me some exciting new areas to explore. So I just wanted to say thank you. And he said, I really love Matango. How I never got around to this one sooner is a mystery. I even tracked down the episode of Suspicion, Voice in the Night, uh, that was based on the same story that Bird was talking about. It's on YouTube here, if you haven't already seen it. And he sent us the link. So, uh, again, thank you, Paul, for uh, directing us to that. Uh, the The video quality isn't that great, but... Considering how rare and obscure this show is, I think we should take what we can get. And uh, maybe around Halloween, we will discuss that episode and how it re- relates to Matango. Matt, hmm, you think that's something we might do? That's probably something we might do. Yes. Um, we also have a Hold piece on. of fan mail. Whoa, 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 whoa. Anyway, he says, uh, you guys... Oh, was... I thought he... I'm sorry. No, my man, my he... bad, Mr. Fox. No, no, dude, Paul's still talking here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you guys have really inspired me to look beyond the areas I'm familiar with, so thanks again and keep up the great work. Uh, that's nice to see, because, Matt, remember, we always say that, you know, we're going to cover the stuff that you would expect, but, you know, turning people on to some of this other stuff that they might not check out otherwise or something um, is really something that you know i i want to do um and then uh 
he heard our shout out on the Nakajima episode and he wrote back and he said thanks much for the shout out on Facebook. I was glad to be able to direct you to the episode of Suspicion and I anxiously await the episode to come. Hear you guys talk about uh, the show and reflecting back on Matango. It's a shame that the video quality is not very good, but it's at least fairly watchable. I'm really surprised given that Alfred Hitchcock was attached that these shows haven't been cleaned up and released in some commercial format. Uh, anyway, he says uh, he's currently working through the politics of Shin Godzilla episode and enjoying the detailed discussion. So thank you, Paul. We really appreciate it. Um, now, Matt, I know you want to do the next one, as you eagerly uh, uh, attempted a moment ago. So what do we got next? Yeah, um, so Sean Barry wrote us a letter. Uh, Sean's one, he's a mutual friend of Bird and mine on Facebook, and uh, he said he, he wrote us and said, love your guys' podcast. Some of the best kaiju-related entertainment on the internet. Love to see you uh, guys cover uh, some of these classic Toho films, and he gives a list. Um, Prophecies of Nostradamus, The Last War, Atragon, and Quidan. Um I will tell you that those are all either already done and we're going to release them soon, or will be done at some point. Um, looking forward to Quiet End. I actually haven't watched that one, but I do own it. So. Yeah. Um, Atragon we have recorded already um, as an episode with two other Toho features that, uh, I don't know, let's not give that away at the moment. Yeah. Um, Prophecies and Last War I think we're probably going to do together at some point because those make kind of a nice double bill. And um, Also, I'm looking forward to uh, how relevant they are today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my god. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> and, uh, nothing set in stone yet, but Matt and I have been bouncing ideas around for some Halloween episodes, and Quidan was a title that came up. Um, and then he asked, what are your, some of your favorite Japanese films outside of Tokusatsu? Um, which, geez, uh, well, I guess I'll start, um... Uh, wow. Uh, well, Kuros- don't give a forty-five minute list this time, right? <laughs> I'll try. Well, Kurosawa, I think, is brilliant. One of my favorite filmmakers ever. Um, the Inagaki uh, Samurai trilogy. Um, I like a lot of the old samurai films. Um, Lone Wolf and Cub series. Uh, but also, uh, I like a lot of Japanese horror and. Um, oddball stuff so i like uh you know takashi Miike's films uh oh, man. everything from his dramas to his comedic movies to his horror films um you know just some quick titles ichi the killer audition yep, was, yep. uh the dead or alive trilogy um the zebra man movies the great yokai war uh yakuza apocalypse yakuza, yakuza <laughs> apocalypse yakuza um, yeah uh i mean there's so many with him i mean he's he's directed 13 assassins i, oh, that's I a mean great i movie. like yeah. i have i have practically a whole shelf on my dvd rack of just Mike. um also kiyoshi kurosawa uh like movies like uh pulse and um cure those are great i love shinya sukamoto um who you may <laughs> remember is the crazy scientist in shin godzilla but he did the Tetsuo the Iron Man movies. He Which did, is insane. Uh, I just I literally just watched that two days ago. It's great. Um, he did uh, a movie I really like called Snake of June. Um, uh, a movie called Vital. Uh, there's, jeez. I mean, Japanese genre films is something that just goes so deep. Well, genre, non-genre. I just love Japanese cinema, really. Um, but yeah, those are like some of my go-to titles, my go-to 
uh, filmmakers, Seijin Suzuki, movies like Branded to Kill. Um, I mean, geez, I could go on and on. So, Matt, uh, do you have any favorite movies or filmmakers that come to mind? Uh, the Magic Serpent's pretty awesome. It's got he a said giant... outside of tokusatsu. No, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Why you got to hate, man? Oh, I the, mean... the Street Fighter movies with Sonny Chiba. Those are awesome. Oh, dude, yeah. Um... Man, I was gonna, I was going to mention House, but that's probably still kind of tokusatsu-ish, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean non. I mean you're you're kind of just now dipping your your foot in, but well, I will say this: all the Kurosawa stuff that I've seen is fantastic. Um, Ikaru is probably my, as of right now, it's still my favorite um, Kurosawa film of all time. But I, great, I haven't got. I mean, one. yeah, I haven't even like seen Seven Samurai yet. I mean, I have it. I just I haven't yeah. made the three hour time block to sit down and watch it i have seen like you know sanjiro and um yo jimbo yeah yeah those are both awesome throwing a blood blood is fantastic um i'm trying to think of some other you, you kind of like rashomon you, i mean if you're, oh, if you're still talking if yeah, you're still talking Kurosawa stuff yeah that's, that's great um what's the what's the one with like the the uh the kid that gets like kidnapped you know what i'm talking about i'm, I'm trying to think of the, the name of that movie um, um high and low yeah, high and low is great. Um, Kurosawa stuff, like I said, I, I, this is for me. For those who don't know, like one of the reasons that this that we're kind of doing this, Bird is sort of like the cinema aficionado, and I'm just kind of like as I go learning because, like a lot of people, I I sort of stayed within like Power Rangers, Godzilla, and you know some of the Gamera stuff, but then I I, I didn't venture very far outside of that until I started talking to Bird. And so, like, through all that, I'm seeing so many other cool um, movies and, and have so many other friends recommending stuff. So, like, I'm, I'm watching new stuff almost every every week pretty much. Um, so really looking forward to – and that's one of the reasons why I love this podcast so much is because it forces me to watch stuff that I may not have picked up on my own. And I'm so glad that I did now because, like, I'm seeing – like, one of my favorite movies now is, is Ikaru, and I would have never seen that otherwise. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, there's a long and rich history of great – Japanese film, so we've really just kind of scratched uh, the surface there. Oh, there, like uh, another one. There's a really crazy movie called Survive Style Five, which is a crazy action comedy that has like every Japanese actor you can think <laughs> of in it, and also Vinnie Jones. Uh, I, I don't know. I could go on and on and on. Battle Royale is pretty. Oh pretty cool. yeah, Battle Royale is great. Um, um story of rikio that's actually yeah, yeah rikio <laughs> dude that movie is one of my favorites of like <laughs> yeah that movie's bonkers dude um it's just a really gory kung fu movie uh yeah like it's people getting like their heads punched off and stuff it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. great um yeah there, i don't know there's just so much stuff um i guess if you if you are talking non-genre uh and matt i know the the dead or alive trilogy that i just mentioned by Mike, uh you should check those out for sure yeah i've heard great things all, all of Mike stuff that i've seen and i've seen like yatterman i've seen a lot of the stuff that you've already mentioned they've all been wonderful uh insane but wonderful like each of the killers ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> um I, th- there's nothing i can really say about his films like uh yakuza apocalypse is uh, like legitimately has one of my favorite villains um and when you see him he's awesome (laughs) you know why (laughs) um yeah i mean there's just so so much great stuff uh and i mean so many great directors like we haven't even talked about like ozu and 
stuff like I mean, it, it just goes on and on. Um, so, uh, hopefully that answers... I think that's all we have in terms of fan mail. Um, <clears throat> uh, all right, so do you want to get into these interviews? Well, well, there was that one little, like... Are you excited about the Oxygen Destroyer? <laughs> you mean the tweet that was a picture of the Oxygen Destroyer and has everyone freaking out for no reason? Yeah, yeah like, I'm super excited when fans overanalyze things that most likely mm-hmm. won't matter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's basically how we feel about it. We're moving to the interviews now. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, Matt, why don't you uh, tell us who we're starting with here? Yeah, so we are going to start <clears> – <throat> let me actually get my, my notes up real quick. Man, my computer is being slow, which, again, you know, technical difficulties are my thing, apparently. Like, just kind of like mispronouncing Japanese words all the time. Um, Kiyotaka Taguchi was the first person we interviewed um, at G-Fest. And I will say that we had um, – Keiko was the, the interpreter that we were using, so shout out to Keiko. She, she was awesome. Um, so, Bird, do you want to read the first question, and we'll see if there's anything to talk about. Yeah. So as people know, uh, he is a director and producer on a lot of the newer Ultramans. Uh, Ultraman X uh, was one he had a heavy hand in. I believe Orb as well. I think he's even doing some stuff with Jeed. Um, And he's also done a lot of short films. Um, If you want to hear us talk a little bit more about those, uh, go back and listen to our G-Fest recap where we talk a little bit about his panel. Um, but, you know, Gahara and then uh, a couple rare ones that he showed that were really cool. Uh, and he got his start as a assistant special effects director on the Millennium Godzilla series. So uh, that leads us into the first question. And that's when I asked him, more or less, how did you break into the effects industry and get into Toho and um, working as an assistant on the Godzilla films? Uh, and I, I said he obviously loved this stuff as a kid, and, you know, just how did he start doing it for a living? And he said there was a special school, uh, like, a, to learn uh, about those methods, and um, he saw that after he went to that school, he could get into that industry. Um, and uh, when asked what his first project was after that, it was the movie Whiteout um, that starred uh, Yuji Oda, who I guess is a famous actor in Japan, he points out. And uh, Makoto Kamiya was the effects director on that. Um, and he went on after that to do the effects on GMK. So he kind of brought him with them. Matt? Yeah. Um, so I, I talk about how my son is three and a half and we've been watching Ultraman X together and I uh, told him he was a huge fan of the show. And then I asked him um, how he got involved with the Ultraman franchise at Subaraya. And um, he answers that he was a member on several of the Godzilla films and he had actually met Shinji Higuchi and he made some connections. Um, after doing several of those movies, he actually was asked by Subaraya Productions to take over the uh, special effects for Ultraman. Uh, and then when asked what the difference is between working on a show and a movie, uh, he gave kind of the obvious answer, saying the biggest difference is the budget. Uh, in, a, in a movie, they have more opportunities, more money to do uh, more CGI and do more with miniatures. And in a TV series, you just can't do as much. This, I thought this was a pretty interesting question. We asked him how long it took to basically film and complete a single Ultraman episode. Um, he, he, he basically says that a normal TV drama will take about five days to complete. An Ultraman episode takes closer to five days for the, the dramatic scenes and six days, six days for the uh, special effects. 
Um, he goes on to talk about there's a ton of work, especially with the effects. And then for Ultraman X, they had about um, a six-day timetable. For Ultraman Orb, they actually went down to five days, so it was a bit smaller. Um, and I asked him with uh, the Ultraman shows are produced in partnership with Bandai, who own a huge percentage of Subaraya Productions. So if you look at the show, the last few shows um, since that kind of uh, change in ownership happened, you see uh, a lot of plot devices that are bo- basically toys or you know things that they can sell. Uh, one of the shows literally they talk to Bandai toys. Um, so I asked him, you know, with this partnership with Bandai, things like, you know, the monster transforming cards and the spark dolls, uh, if those were ideas Bandai presents to him and he has to incorporate into the show, or if, bas- or if they're ideas he comes up and pitches to Bandai. Um, and he, sa- he basically said, you know, it's all about considering what Bandai wants uh, and their business uh, strategy. So Bandai will decide on things like the weapons, the henshin devices, and how they look and how they transform. So basically Bandai is like, hey, this is what we have, put it in the show. Um, yeah, yeah, we, and we kind of reiterated that, and I asked him afterwards, and I, I said, do you have any influence over the design? And he said, um, well, yeah, they, they tell me what they want for, with the transform, transformation items, but then after that, I can provi- provide more input. Um, and then we asked him, do we, does he have any specific moments in any of your Ultra shows that you are particularly proud of? He actually goes on to, to name a few episodes specifically of Ultraman X. He says Ultraman X episodes 5 and 15. Um, and I think your, your question was next, Bert, about... Yeah, so he showed us an episode at his panel, and it was the previously mentioned episode 15, um, and he he directed that whole episode. Um, And so, you know, the effects, the props, he was responsible for that entire thing. Uh, And that was a really good episode. Yeah, that's the one with Gomez, and it's a a great episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... um, I asked him how he came up with uh, – I, I told him I love Gahara, which I actually had him – when I was at G-Fest, I had him sign the Marmot Gahara that I had. And uh, I asked him how he came up with the creature design because it's, it's kind of a unique – it's got hair all over it. And it's very different for a giant kaiju film. Um, and he said for, for that particular design, NHK Television ha- had a uh, kaiju character contest and asked people which one was their favorite design. And Gahara was the uh, particular monster that won. So that's something I didn't know before. I didn't, I didn't know that yeah, either. It's... I, 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 I knew it had something to do with a contest, but I didn't, I didn't know the specifics of it. <clears throat> um, so then I asked him about, oh, an, another director. See, I told you there's so many. Another director that I really like is uh, Cheyenne Sono. Um, so to get to Sean's question, uh, he's a really prolific Japanese director. He's done stuff like uh, Suicide Circle, Noriko's Dinner Table, um, I just watched a movie he did called Tag, which was on which is on Netflix. I thought that was great. And uh, one of my favorites the last few years is Cold Fish, which I often explain as like straw dogs on, on crack. It's a crazy, dark, brutal movie. It's not for the faint of heart, um, but it's awesome if you can stomach it. But uh, he put out a movie um, called Love and Peace, 
in 2015, which I still, I, I have it somewhere, but I still haven't watched it. I'm, I'm sure we'll watch it at some point, but it has a lot of tokusatsu effects uh, with uh, this giant turtle character. Um, and since I'm a fan of Sono, I wanted to know how did he get involved in working with him on Love and Peace? And he said um, he knew one of the producers who uh, was also one of the producers on Evangelion. He didn't name uh, the producer's name, but he, he basically said that that producer that worked on Eva introduced him to Mr. Sono, who is a big tokusatsu fan. And he said uh, that Sono wanted to make tokusatsu uh, in this movie, and he introduced the two of them. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so we went back to Godzilla. The next question, we, I asked him, um, what was the first Godzilla film you worked on? What was your role in that film? Um, what other films did you work on? Just to kind of get some backstory. And he talks about his list of films. Um, his first was Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. Um, he was assist, assistant special effects, uh, effects director on that film, GMK, uh, Godzilla X, Mechagodzilla, Tokyo SOS, Final Wars. And actually, he also worked on Gamera the Brave, which I don't think I knew that. I didn't prior. know that either. Yeah. Um, and then, and then um, yeah. oh, I, did you want to do this one? No, that's fine. Okay, well, we asked out of those Godzilla movies that he, uh, you know, uh, worked on, you know, when he was getting his feet wet in the... In his profession, uh, which was his favorite, and of course, I, I think the he said GMK, which is you know the most popular one probably. Um, and we asked if there were any uh, accidents, <laughs> or no. And then he said there were a lot of accidents on the set, uh, but it was fun anyway. He said it was a memorable experience. Yeah, I got to. Uh, I asked him about. If he, I asked him if he worked a lot with uh, um, Mizuo Yoshida, who played Godzilla in, G- in GMK. Um, and he said he was an assistant effects director on the shoots, and so he got to help him wear the suit. Um, and he was kind of behind Godzilla all the time. And then we talked about how big the suit was. And then I asked him as a follow-up question to what he said earlier, uh, were there any accidents you can tell us about from behind the scenes? And then he, he, he sort of laughs, actually, and he said there were too many. Um, then he actually told us a pretty cool story He's, he talked about in the fight with um, um, Baragon, Bargain, as I call him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> A Baragon. Um, he, he talked about in the fight with the Baragon, there was a helicopter that was flying around, um, and it was on a piano wire. And so he was constantly having to make it stable um, since he was the assistant. And so as he was holding the wire, he actually cut his finger open, and the helicopter started wobbling. And because of the incident, they actually had to stop to shoot. Um, and then he said he was very sore, and then he kind of started laughing about it. Um, I had him sign my DVD copy of Norman England's short film, The Idol. Um, and, uh, when I had him sign that, he, he, I think he was kind of interested that I actually had it and I knew what it was. Um, and he, he kind of got a kick out of that and he insisted on, on posing with the, the DVD in our photo. (laughs) Um, so I, you know, I, and you know, I, we know Norman, we've had him on the podcast. So I, I just asked him, you know, how did he enjoy working, uh, on that movie, you know, with, with Norman directing and, um, he said he didn't, he didn't do any of the action directing it. So no, uh, in camera effects, no practical effects, but he did do, uh, the digital visual effects work. And he said, uh, it was something that he, he enjoyed and, and he thought it was, it was fun working on that movie. So one of the movies that he showed us, um, was, uh, female weapon 701, which again, we talk about in our G fest, uh, episode and recap, but it's a great, it's a great little short film that he did. And, um, 
we asked him if that particular title was an homage to the film Female Pre- Prisoner 701, which is actually a, um, a, a movie. I forget who actually made it's a japanese film from the 70s um and he, he kind of laughed and he asked like he was like female prisoner and then we kind of laughed about it and said um i guess not um he didn't take it he says he did not take his inspiration from that particular movie name he just wanted to make a movie with a sexy strong woman with weapons and if you see <laughs> that movie you'll know exactly what he's talking right. about uh that that one's still weird because the title female weapon 701 and female prisoner 701 I don't know if maybe there was a translation barrier. I just it's such a specific like number and like I don't know. The whole thing is is uh it's an odd similarity, you know. Yeah, I, I would, so, it could, could have been a translation issue. No, there's, there's Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Um either way it doesn't sound like it was something that really whether he, he knew, did know of it or not, it sounds like it's not something that really had much of an impact on this short. He he just wanted to kind of you know, make a silly movie about a giant girlfriend. Um, <laughs> so circling back to Ultraman, I asked him if he had any uh, classic Ultraman series, Kaiju, uh, from uh, really any of the series, Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, anything. And um, uh, he said, uh, uh, Baltan, uh, Baltan Sajin, who was like, I guess the, I mean, he's the big bad of Ultraman, you know. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, I say, oh, of course, you know, Balta. And then he said also Gabadon. And then he specified Gabadon's A form. So the first form when he's like squeaking through the city (laughs) and he goes to sleep. And then this, I really wish we had usable audio because at this point me and Taguchi both start squeaking like Gabadon. Um... I asked him, how does he feel about continuing to work with practical effects and miniatures as opposed to working with just CGI like Shin Godzilla, where it was mostly CG? And um, does he see the ability to be able to do more with miniature effects like he's currently doing? Um, He said with Shin Godzilla, they wanted to make it very realistic with the CG, but he prefers and loves uh, tokusatsu effects. He says that he loves CG, but I love tokusatsu and miniature effects much more. Um, CG is more like doing desk work. Tokusatsu is field work, and he prefers field work. Which that's, I thought was an awesome answer. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it: is desk work versus field work. Um, I, I, I think he appreciates both. But whereas uh, in Shinji Higuchi's Q and A during his panel, he said like I, he loves both equally. But I, I think Taguchi definitely, you know, he he likes doing CG, but he he like he said he prefers field work. He prefers getting out there and you know getting his hands dirty and cutting his finger on wires and stuff. Um, <laughs> And I asked him, because with less and less productions using the traditional methods, if he feels like uh, he'll, the tokusatsu methods will come back into theatrical features, or if it's just going to be something we're going to continue seeing on TV. Because in the movies, we're not seeing it so much. Uh, Shin Godzilla, I mean, of course, the legendary stuff. But in Japan, you know, Shin Godzilla and that upcoming um, Brave Storm, the Red Baron silver mask movie, uh, is CG and, uh, you know, but obviously Ultraman still uses it, you know, Kamen Rider, Super Sentai still use the, the traditional methods. And, uh, he said, you know, it, it is more and more on TV. And, uh, if he could do anything, he, he would want to make tokusatsu in feature films, you know, but who knows if, if that'll happen given the, the way the industry is right now. 
Yeah. Um, and we asked him, uh, asked him what kind of kaiju film he actually wants to make. And he said he wants to make a, a big Godzilla film. And then um, we told him that we actually hope he would be able to make a Godzilla movie. And uh, we, we also kind of hope that it would go back to a more traditional tokusatsu approach for us. That's kind of something that, that we love more than anything else. And we told him that we really wanted him to do it. Um, and then he said with general audiences, it's just that they want the realistic CGI effects. But for me, he said that he loves um, the miniatures more than anything. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I said, you know, with, with that being said, I asked him, have he enjoyed uh, the recent CG-based movies like um, Godzilla 2014, Skull Island, Shin Godzilla, you know, even though they don't use those effects. And he said, you know, as movies, he enjoys them. He's enjoyed them all. Um, but his thing is still, he likes to see those tokusatsu effects, the miniature buildings getting destroyed. Um, so even though he likes them as movies, it's just, you know, that's what he really has the passion for. Um, and then, yeah, we, we thanked him uh, for for sitting down with us. And then I, I, I made a point before we wrapped up to say uh, I wanted to thank him for showing his short films that he brought uh, because I really loved those. And um, they were uh, – one was called Zone. The other was Female Prisoner 701. And, of course, Gahara, if you haven't seen that. Anyone who's out there, look for those. Find them. There's also G, which I haven't seen because I haven't found it subtitled. But I, I've, from what I've seen, that one looks great too. It's like a gory monster versus robot short. Um, the guy's brilliant, uh, and he's got a lot of original ideas. And I'd almost rather see him bring one of those original ideas – in as a feature than to do Godzilla, but either way, I mean, I, the guy needs work, needs needs more um, outside the box work. I appreciate what he's doing on the Ultraman series, but you know, he's got the Bandai stuff. He's got to make it for kids, uh, and he loves violence, which he admitted, and uh, yes, he, he said does. he said that's why he likes um, making those shorts because he can make them very violent. Uh, and when I asked him if he uh, has considered making any of his own creations into feature films. He said, you know, he, he's always making the efforts to try and get a film made. So, um, so uh, this was a really good interview. It was really fun. And honestly, Matt, like after the first like two questions, it really just felt like we were just talking to another fan. Yeah, he was great and very, very personable, um, really funny, very much into the interview. Like it didn't seem like it was a chore to him. He seemed like he was having a genuine good time and very interested in the questions. Um, he would be I mean, if I could pick anybody to sort of carry the reins for Godzilla, it would be him. But I, I'm also with you, Bird. He has such zone was great. And for those who haven't seen that that short film, I mean, it, it's it's really unique and interesting and uh, violent and I would love to see him get a chance to make his own, you know, full length motion picture. And it doesn't have to be Godzilla. Just do something kaiju yeah. related. And I would. Well, I, it's just a, looking at his shorts. I just see such a unique and original voice. And obviously it'd be great if he could do a Godzilla movie. I'm sure he would knock it out. But it's just like I think that he has a really creative vision for this genre that goes beyond just. Godzilla and Ultraman and all that like I, I think that I mean I, I just think he's he's awesome and I mean on top of that he is like I mean he he out of everyone he's the real um successor to Shinji Higuchi I think and you know Higuchi you know you could say was the successor to Kawakita who was a successor to Nakano and Tsuburaya and I think the next in that line is, is Taguchi for sure yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um. Um, 
Okay, so next we have uh, Michiru Oshima, who is a very prolific film composer in Japan. We know her as the composer for the three Tezuka uh, Godzilla movies, Megaguirus, Against Mechagodzilla, and Tokyo SOS. But also, anime fans know her from a bunch of stuff, uh, uh, Full Metal Alchemist being the biggest one, um, and just tons of video games, uh, television shows, um, and, uh, you know, she, she was really sweet. Um, you could tell she, you know, she, she wasn't, she's not so much a fan of this stuff like we are and like Taguchi was, but she was, she was a really sweet woman and, um, she was a pleasure to talk to. So, um, uh, so I will lead with the first question. Um, and I asked her how she got interested in film music and how she broke into that industry. And, uh, she said she went to music school and after that, she started composing commercials, and based on that work, she was getting offers for TV dramas, and that led to movies. Yeah, um, the next question was, uh, was doing Godzilla music something that you wanted to do, or was it something that was just offered to you? And then we also asked if Akira Fukabe's scores were an influence at all. Um, she said the director of the film, which would have been Tezuka, um, offered a job, and she said she's I'm a woman and I don't really know anything about Godzilla before getting a job. So in, including the previous music, which yeah. I thought was, you know, a fairly typical yeah. uh, honest answer. <laughs> you know, I mean, she knows yeah. she's at a, this convention with all these nerds and this, this was basically the beginning of the interview. She's laying her cards on the table saying, I, <laughs> I don't know nothing about this stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's an honest answer. And, um, you know, unfortunately there's not a whole lot of women in this, fan base and uh you know hopefully that can change because you know it's very uh uh we'll just say uh it's a sausage fest very let's just say it. <laughs> right um <laughs> but it was an honest answer and you know she just said you know i i didn't know anything about godzilla and you know the director offered me the job and um and she did it and uh she said uh um, we asked how she came up with her Godzilla theme, you know, a very big booming theme. And, um, it's one of my favorites, actually the, bah, 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 bah. um, and she said Tezuka was very adamant that Godzilla had to sound very strong and very powerful. And he, he told her to write something that would make Godzilla seem big. Um, Matt, you want to go into the next one here? Yeah, we asked her, um, as far as film scores go, were there any uh, movie composers that she particularly listened to uh, growing up that might have influenced her work? Um, she said she loved Kurosawa's movies, which we talked about quite a bit right before this, and she always wanted to work with him before he passed away. Um, she also loved Sato's music scores, which, he, you know, he did a bunch of the, the – Mecha, he did the Mechagodzilla film, Son of Godzilla. Um, and she also loves uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Um, I know – Bird, you love Jerry Goldsmith, don't you? I mean, oh, yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> um, yeah, and then I, I just started rattling off titles. Alien, Gremlins, Planet of the Apes, um, and then she she mentioned The Omen. Uh, so we went back and forth on, on Goldsmith titles, and, I mean, he's he's one of the American greats as far as film composers. I love Gremlins, man. Um, oh, yeah, who doesn't? Um, and uh, so here's where I think we, sh we should mention something, Matt. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> During, as some people may or may not know, um, Chris, I, I can't pronounce his name, so if you're listening, man, I'm so sorry. Chris M. 
who uh, <laughs> is, helps helps run Toho Kingdom. He has a fan film, uh, an animated fan film called Godzilla Total Destruction, and it is uh, he's he has said, and the trailers say with an original uh, original music by Michiro Oshima. And so um, I, I I guess the previous day before this, um, we didn't we weren't at her um, panel. We were doing our own panel when when Oshima yes, was which doing really hers. Which really sucked because I wanted to go to. A I panel, know, but, yeah. um, but I guess during the Q, I think maybe during the fan Q and A, uh, someone had asked her about that project, and um, she seemed confused, didn't quite know what they were talking about, and this is where I have to wonder if uh, maybe whoever asked the question maybe phrased it in a strange way, or maybe. Um, either translating the question or the answer. Maybe the translator got a couple wires crossed um, because during the Q&A, uh, like I said, she, she didn't have any recollection. But I will tell you from sitting with her and Matt, right when Matt asked that question and said the title, Godzilla Total Destruction, she knew exactly what we were talking about. And so we, we asked her, um, you know, about uh well we we heard that oh she doesn't know anything about it and so we were like what are they lying they can't really do that and so so matt phrased the question is is are you familiar with this project and like i said right away just from hearing the title in english english godzilla total destruction she nodded her said and in english said yes yes and then her answer, she said it was about two years ago, she visited America, and that's when she uh, became acquainted with Chris, who's making the movie, and uh, he asked her to do the music, and she started working on it. Um, and then I kind of I, I kind of was like, oh, so he just asked, that's, that's very cool, that's not really awesome of you to, to do that, and I said, you know, I'm looking forward to hear more kaiju music from her, which I am, because uh, honestly, she's awesome. Uh, at that stuff, and when you think of the fact that she hadn't seen any of these first, that makes it even more impressive. Um, and then Matt said, "Okay, so we'll be hearing music from uh, hearing your music for this particular project." And then she neither said, and she said, "Yes, maybe." Um, and I mean, the maybe is kind of strange. I'm wondering if again, maybe it was in the maybe the translation thing, but uh, um, I kind of take it as her being, you know, she she probably agreed to do the music. Um, and did it, and, you know, she probably hasn't kept up on the status of the project since. I mean, since it's a fan project, you know, she might just be thinking, like, oh, what if it never even comes out? That's kind of how I took it. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? I mean, she she knew what the project was. She said that she was working on it, so we at least know and have confirmation that whatever happened in that first panel um, was some sort of... At, you know, basically just a miscommunication, and that happens sometimes. So yeah, she 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 knew immediately what we were talking about. Yeah, she did. Um, it wasn't like a can you explain that to me? Like it was immediate an immediate response. Yeah. Um, uh, so then I just asked, you know, uh, what what's the general process for having to score a film? And uh, I asked if she gets to see the movies first or some of the footage or if she just gets the script. Um, And she said, for TV dramas, all she sees is the script. But for movies, she usually sees the footage. And um, 
so with movies, she gets to see a lot more than she would on a TV show. Um, and then kind of uh, branching off of that, I asked, because like I said, she has a lot of anime credits. I asked uh, if scoring animation's any different. And she said animation has a lot of quick action, quick movements, and quicker editing. So you have to score around that. And she said one of the big challenges with animated characters is that they can't physically express their feelings or uh, anything like that as much as real actors. So it takes extra effort to uh, convey you know, character emotions and stuff sometimes. Yeah. I asked her, uh, next question I asked was, does she have a favorite score or something that she's, comp- uh, something that she's done, um, that made her especially proud. And she says she always tries to do her best and work really hard so that, um, she, she basically says that her most recent work is always her best work. Um, yeah. um, and then I asked when she started writing the music for the Godzilla movies, did she go back and rewatch any of the old ones? And uh, I really liked her answer here. Um, she said she didn't go back and revisit any of the movies or listen to any of those old scores because she didn't want any outside influence from the old material. She wanted to have her own fresh approach, um, so she tried not to watch any of the older movies um, when she was in the, uh, the writing fr- uh, phase. Yeah, and she also said that her favorite Godzilla film that she scored was uh, Godzilla versus or Godzilla X Mechagodzilla. Yes, which is a good um, one. I, yeah. That's that's one that oh, I I didn't I wasn't too hot on it over the like last like few years. Well, it was over the last few years that I, I warmed up to it. Is what I'm trying to say. I, I didn't I like, like it. That one a lot. I didn't like it much at first, but it, it finally started to click with me maybe two three years ago. Um, You're a grump. <laughs> I mean, I, I always just thought it was boring because the I, I I and still to this day I, I find the kaiju stuff pretty lackluster. But I really like all the character stuff in it. Yeah, we've always said if you can mesh that one with Tokyo SOS and just have one movie with the characters from the first and the, and the action yeah. from the second, you'd have the, like a very good movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, we asked when she composes music if she tif- typically works from piano or using uh, digital mockups. Um, and she said she uses a, a mixture of both keyboards and computer uh, software. Um, and then I asked, because, uh, um, again, like I said, she's got a lot of video game credits. How is doing video games different from TV or movies? And she said when she does game musics, the uh, musics, when she does game music, the games typically aren't finished. So it's hard to figure out what the directors want and it's hard to imagine everything and how everything will move and how, how it'll look. So, um, uh, it, and it's hard also because games are interactive. So, you know, based on what you do, there's a different, there could be different music. So it's, it's a more difficult process. Um, and then she said, and then she laughed and said she also doesn't play games. So, uh, it sounds like that one is a little more challenging for her. Uh, Matt? <laughs> Sorry, I was not. I, I muted myself because I didn't want the audience to hear me sneezing. Uh, so, uh, one particular film um, that we wanted to ask her about was Princess Raccoon from 2005, directed by Seijun Suzuki. Hey, I mentioned him earlier. Yeah, um, and we asked if she, if she was actually familiar with his work prior to working on that particular movie and what was it like working with him on the film, and she says that she was familiar. And then she actually asked us if he was familiar, uh, if he was famous in America, and we told her that he has a very strong fan base here. He isn't quite as big as Kurosawa, but um, there's a lot of people that, that do love his films. And um, she went on to say that she enjoyed working with him a lot. He made a lot of very special movies, and he's a very special director. One time I asked him, um, 
what a what a particular scene was going to look like, and he just said, "A dock in the fall time." Um, so then, when she saw the movie, the scene didn't even have a dock, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. So he goes to tell her one thing, and it, it doesn't even have the particular thing that uh, you know the, the the dock in the fall time that he told her about. Um, and so she says, so what I'm trying to say is that he had a very special and unique way of doing things and thinking of things. Well, yeah, you think if you're a composer and you're like, what do you want? What, what, what am I writing to? And they're like, (laughs) they tell you what it is and you're like, okay, I'll write to that. And then it's not, it's not in the, it's not even there. (laughs) You know, that's a very interesting thing. And Suzuki was a very outside the box filmmaker. So I, I mean, I can see him doing something like that. Um, he, like I said, unique filmmaker. So his visual style is really interesting. Well, uh, you know, he's very famous for that. And so uh, we had asked if she was familiar with his visual style, uh, and she said, you know, in Japan he's he's very well known. So she was familiar with it already. Um, and with Princess Raccoon, that was a musical. And so we asked if uh, the music for that movie, um, uh, if she composed it to the lyrics and the dialogue that were. Uh, already in place for those songs and uh, she said she made the music that they're actually singing to so it was all her music and then the lyrics and singing after that that's pretty awesome yeah um she so we we told her that she mentioned uh masaru sato earlier and we asked if we were if she was familiar with the music that he had done in the uh several godzilla films he worked on um and she basically went on to reiterate you know she never heard his godzilla music um she was more interested in his Kurosawa work. So, for example, she specifically said that Sanjuro made a very big impression on her. And then we asked her if that was her favorite Kurosawa film, and she actually said yes. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, I, I love that one too, but I feel like of that, that's a sequel to Yojimbo. I feel like usually people prefer Yojimbo, but uh, they're both great. But, yeah, that was just an interesting answer. Um, and then I asked after she did the Godzilla movies if she ever did go back and finally listen to any of the music. Um, and she said, uh, you know, at some point Toho had sent her the box set of all the movies and, you know, sometimes she'll throw one on and watch some of them. Um, so just based on that, she's more familiar with, with the, the Godzilla music. Yeah. We asked, um, if between animation, live action and video games, if she had a favorite medium to write music for and why, um, she actually says she kind of enjoys doing them all for different reasons. Everything is very different. Um, but she prefers doing live action the most. And this next question um, was probably my favorite question that we asked. And, and I asked, what is the most difficult kind of scene to compose for? And the reason I like this question is because her answer is awesome. Um, and she says, be, probably the scenes where there isn't much going on, no action or anything. Uh, scenes that are just a people sitting and doing nothing. Um, and to me, that made a lot of sense. That sounds I mean, impossible. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I never, I never thought about it, but like... If you haven't you haven't seen the entire movie and you know that there's going to be this this scene that people are just sitting there and essentially doing nothing, like how do you write music for that? What's the tone going to be? Um, I mean, if if you've seen movies where like the, the the music seems off from what you're seeing on the screen, it seems like that would be a scene that would be really easy to screw up if you're not careful. Yeah, um, and that was our last real question. You know, we again, we really sweet woman, uh, very generous with her time, and we thanked her. And I, of course, uh, you know, especially since earlier, she said, you know, she's not so much a fan of this stuff. And uh, so I asked how she's enjoying it, and she, she said, uh, she she was having a great time. And um, and then we complimented to her uh, after that and saying, you know, her Godzilla theme is one of our favorites. So uh, that was Oshima. Um, 
really uh, a pleasure to uh, to have to to get to talk to her. Um, so now we have our third and final interview, and that is Kazuhiro Nakagawa, who is a assistant director who uh, was an assistant director on Attack on Titan and Shin Godzilla. And uh, speaking of indie shorts, he also did the independent kaiju short Day of the Kaiju. Uh, Matt, did you ever get around to watching that? Uh, I, I've se- no, no. I, I've seen like parts of it, but I I never finished it. I don't right. remember. You why. should check it out. It's it's good. In a lot of ways, I think it does some of the things Shin Godzilla tries to do. But I actually think, and it might just be because it's in a short film format. But I I think in a way it, it works a little <laughs> better. Um, but anyway, um. So uh, again, Oshima was awesome, but Nakagawa, much like Taguchi. It just felt like we were talking to another fan and just geeking out about this stuff, really. Um, really cool guy. Um, so, um, uh, the interpreter for the last two interviews was um, uh, Keiko, uh, who was a, a Japanese woman who was helping us. And then uh, for this one, um, it was uh, Mike Field who translated for us. So, shout out to Mike uh, and thank you again. Um, so, uh, I, I'll lead off with our first question, um, and that was um, how he had got involved in working on tokusatsu films, especially since, as we talked about with T- Mr. Taguchi, there's less and less of them these days, and, you know, how do you break into that? And he said, you know, originally he was working on TV dramas, um, things that didn't have any effects, they weren't tokusatsu-related, and uh, he got into uh, doing tokusatsu work because of Shinji Higuchi, um, basically, and that's how he got involved with Attack on Titan and Shin Godzilla, etc. We asked him how he met uh, Higuchi and how he got on board with those particular projects, and he basically said he met him um, on the 2006 remake of Sinking of Japan. He loved the 90s Gamera series, and he said that when he met him, he was so starstruck that he was thinking, Higuchi, he really exists. And then he, he was – he's if you met Nakagawa, he's like very animated, and, and um, he was talking about how he was blown away just by meeting him. So that was kind of a cool thing, a little anecdote story that he told us about meeting Higuchi the first time. Um, and then uh, – so I, I, I kicked things off by talking about his short film, uh, Day of the Kaiju. Um, if anyone out there hasn't seen it, basically uh, the corpse of a monster has washed up on the beach and the government is trying to, um, you know, they're, they're pretty apathetic about it. And, um, you know, science and the scientists are saying, you know, even though it's reading is dead, this is a creature we're not familiar with. It could come back to life at any time. Um, and, Think about how that's a reaction to the 2001 earthquake and the Fukushima disaster. Um, And uh, so most of the movie is just the back and forth with these scientists and how they're being forced to comply with, you know, um, the government and the things that the government are doing uh, to withhold information and things like that. Uh, It's it's an interesting short. Um, So anyway, the answer to that question of what gave him the idea to make it, I kind of hinted at it in my little summary there and he said when he was making it he was thinking about the effects of the earthquake in fukushima and he wanted to make a movie that would incorporate that kind of disaster that kind of fear so he wanted to make a movie where the the kaiju was a metaphor for for the things you couldn't see so a dead kaiju is causing all these problems so with the disaster in the nuclear power plant you couldn't necessarily see the danger um, you know, you couldn't physically see it. It was something you couldn't grasp. So the monster is a metaphor for those dangers um, that you 
couldn't see in order to understand them. And then I, I, I asked him specifically, you know, was this movie born out of a real frustration with how the government was handling those disasters? Because in the movie, the government very much doesn't want to listen to the experts. And because of that, a lot of bad things happen, you know. Um, and I, I just said, was that something that you were, you know, upset about when you wrote this film and he said yeah of course and uh he felt like you know if he doesn't do anything nothing would change so what would be his way of doing something about it and he said you know the only thing he could do is express it uh in the form of a a film and so matt well we uh we ask about um we don't see much of the monster in the movie, but how did you come up with the design of the monster? And he said it was based on a whale, um, but the big tusks were something I took from Gamera, which I thought was pretty cool. We then kind of switched gears and talked about Attack on Titan. We asked him about his role in that particular film, which he was an assistant director on. Um, and then we asked him basically what did he handle as an assistant director, so to be more specific. And he was in charge of the props. Um, and they also got to work on the colossal Titan puppet. And he actually pulled out his phone during this part of the interview, and he, he was looking through for, for uh, some pictures, and he basically showed us an image um, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. It was of him with the Colossal Titan. Um, it's pretty pretty cool to see that. I mean, we got to see the Colossal Titan Aaron from the film, and um, yeah, it, it was like nice it was have, it like, was the the armored Titan, uh, the armored Titan and Aaron suits, and the big Colossal Titan puppet. Yeah, so it's it was cool to like see. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird for me. Like, I sort of get starstruck during some of these interviews. I mean, for someone to show that kind of stuff and to, like, be proud of it and things, I just – that was kind of cool. And I'm really I'm, – I'm still bummed about this audio, man. <laughs> it, it's like it, it kind of sucks to describe his – his because um, he's so upbeat and positive during that part of the interview, and it's just, it's just kind of funny. Um, and then we asked um, were there any particular scenes that he had a heavy hand in during Attack on Titan. And he talked about one scene that he remembered the most and he had the biggest part of was um, the first big uh, Titan attack in part one. And that was actually my favorite scene in that movie, um, if you've not seen the, the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and overall, he he worked. Uh, he was in charge of a lot of the props and working with the costumes and uh, the characters' weapons and the soldiers and all that stuff. Um, and he said uh, he remembers wor- in that scene we were just talking about, the first Titan rampage, which probably is the best scene in the movie. It is. Um, it is by far. But he, he said uh, he uh, remembers working on, you know, the timing of blowing up all the figures and all the models and all that stuff. And he just really liked uh, doing that. We asked if there were any difficult or if there were any difficulties filming those scenes, any stories that he could uh, share. And he said, "Well, there weren't any real titans in the scene; they were added later. So when we were filming, um, we without having them there, that was really difficult. Um, we basically they basically used a long pole for the actors to look up to and act out the scene, and that was pretty difficult. Yeah, which makes sense. I know they use like laser pointers and stuff for Scott Island because we learned that at the uh, the Q and A with um." the director that we went to in yeah. GFET. That makes sense. Um, so then shifting over to Shin Godzilla, I asked him uh, what his general job was um, on the set. And uh, he was the assistant director on that too. Uh, he said one of his big jobs uh, was researching and looking up information about politics and uh, politicians and, and what they do. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that movie, that's just... <laughs> and, then, and then Matt uh, says, you know, that's a very difficult job. Um, and, uh, 
Seven. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, he said, you know, with with um, you know, working from that screenplay, he kept thinking about just, uh, you know, what it, how difficult and crazy it must be to be a politician. Yeah, it turns out he actually got to work on the the screenplay, um, specifically like editing and rewording some of the screenplay stuff, which I thought was interesting. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's kind of a, I'm sure that's a common practice within within uh, filmmaking. But imagine just like the the all the insanity that goes on in that film with the characters and the dialogue and all the politics and stuff. The kind of work that he had to do, and that had to be so tedious. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah so i i imagine like every you know how in the movie how every character shows up and they have a title i imagine he probably had to like look up what exactly that title was and like <laughs> you know the ins and outs of what that person does and that just sounds like uh, that, just, is a, that is a bad research project like that's that's <laughs> the kind of project your teacher gives a class that she hates I just feel like if I was like, oh, I got this job working on this Godzilla movie, and that, like I, that's what I had to do, I would just be like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst. Um, and then uh, I asked him, you know, um, if he actually got to work directly with uh, Anno at all, uh, and he said, yeah, but he said, you know, Anno isn't a very direct person and you know he kind of has that reputation of being you know very shy and kind of kind of a nervous little guy um and so he had to kind of work around the bush to, and go to different people to kind of sometimes get a better understanding of what exactly he was looking for um and then i asked him you know was higuchi your kind of middleman for those things and he said uh well, actually, he laughs, and then he says, well, actually, Anno would say something, and he would go to Higuchi to try to explain to him what Anno said uh, and, you know, what type of scene they were filming. And uh, for him, the frustrating part would be when Anno and Higuchi would be talking to each other and just going on and on and on, and he would basically, you know, have to just wait there and wait for them to... to make up their minds and you know you would just have to stand there and not say anything and wait for them to work things out and so he was kind of the middleman sometimes between the two of them i thought that was uh interesting <laughs> uh i think yeah. somebody asked him during his panel like how anno and higuchi got along during shin godzilla and he basically was like i'm not going to answer that question <laughs> and like backed away from yeah. it well uh, um, th those two guys keep working together i mean they've been working together for what 30 40 years now and yeah, I think I think people just you know there there's yeah. you have director co-director they just kind of want to pry and find out. I feel like they're probably like that on everything they do together though. Like they're yeah, probably they, like they a married. They're, they're, well yeah. they're probably like a married couple. I would imagine. <laughs> like you know they just keep arguing about dumb stuff. Um, uh, we got back to the politics portion. The movie talks about Article Nine a lot, so we asked um, we asked him if that was something he was also in charge of researching. And he said, yeah, I did the research on Article 9, which involves the use of military force. A lot of people don't know um, if that would be good or not, so it was very difficult. It is something that is argued about a lot in real life. And then we um, asked him, you know, what basically was that the theme of the movie itself? And uh, he said it wasn't really the main focus, even though it is a part of it. The, th um, the thing was, it, it isn't really about the article itself. It's more about how Japan would react. That was the focus. Um piggybacking off of that i said you know foreigners aren't as up to speed on what goes on in in you know japanese government and stuff um so from a looking at it from a foreigner um and you know the things with other countries in the movie I said do you think the movie is saying anything about international 
affairs and he said you know personally he never really thought about it on a global or international perspective um he said you know they they really made it just to appeal to the japanese perspective japanese point of view um um which i mean i i I think anyone who's seen the movie should be able to tell that by now but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this, again, I, this is my favorite question that we asked, and I think he gives a great answer. Um, this is kind of unrelated to the previous question, but we asked, at the end of the movie, everyone wants to know what those things coming out of the tail are. Do they have a specific purpose, and are they the next part of Godzilla's evolution, or are they just there for imagery? Im- imagery? And we're talking about the little humanoid things that are coming out of Godzilla's tail at the very end. His answer is hilarious. Um, he says, he, he goes, um, only anno knows and he says this in english by the way during the interview um which was hilarious and we all kind of burst out laughing and and that's really the best answer it's um anno being anno i mean i don't know how else to say that it's very kind of make of it what you want and having just rewatched evangelion like that makes total sense to me yeah um i really don't know if he knows or really cares what it means anno is a very he has a very unique vision and you know and of how he wants to do things and sometimes he just goes for things that he thinks look interesting um like for example you brought up Eva I mean all the religious iconography and that I mean that people analyze it and talk at length about it and he's like I just thought it looked cool so I mean <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, basically, Nakagawa said, uh, you, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows, so stop trying to figure it out. Stop assuming <laughs> we got this straight from the horse's mouth. Whether or not you like the answer is, is you can debate that all day, but the, the reality is nobody knows what, what those things are. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, on Shin Godzilla, we asked if there were any scenes that he uh, liked, any favorites he might have the most in the movie, or anything that he really uh, enjoyed working on. And he said he really likes the part where the helicopters are flying through the building and they're approaching Godzilla. Um, and then uh, I asked him um, after that, oh, where am I? I lost my spot. Uh, Matt, pick up where I am because I'm lost. <laughs> Um, I, we basically say, uh, he has a passion. We noticed that he had a passion for miniature and tokusatsu. And recently we've had a lot of major kaiju films using CG, Shin Godzilla being one of them. Um, we, then we, we then kind of switch gears towards the Godzilla puppet. We understood that there's a Godzilla puppet that was built, but never used in the film. And there was some difficulty with it. Can you be more specific as to why the puppet didn't make it into the movie? Um, his response was interesting. He says this answer is pretty on the nose. Anna would know better than anyone, but from what I can tell, I feel that the puppet and the way the CGI Godzilla looked were just too different, so they just stuck with the CGI instead. Which makes sense if you have, you know, CG and a puppet and they don't mesh well. Yeah. And it would be like distracting to a viewer. Yeah. Um, now, would it bother me? Like I've seen, there's so many Godzilla films that have multiple suits and puppets that don't, you know, they don't look anything yeah. alike. So like we're used to that, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't care. I mean, you know, you watch some of the old movies, and the, the puppet heads don't look like the suit heads sometimes. But, I, don't, I mean, from their perspective, though, I can see how, you know, a modern audience might get more distracted by that and be like, what? Like, why does, like, you know, they, you know, it's it's not the 60s anymore. People, 
you know, I just uh, think about the Cybot, like how different that was, but also the Cybot in Godzilla, you know, the return of yeah. Godzilla is yeah. amazing. Yeah, but um, I mean, people still say like that it doesn't look like the suit, you know. I, I never noticed it as a like I never cared as a kid though. Well, like were, I don't even care now. A dumb kid. Well, you if you didn't know, I mean, I don't care, but if you didn't notice, you're stupid. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so then we 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 asked like okay, because we've had some conversations internally like of shots that we think might be a puppet in the movie and so we asked was the puppet in the movie or not you know we can't really tell and from what higuchi was saying at his panel it sounds like there may not have been were there any shots that you know was in the film or was it all cg and he said all cg except for the last shot of the tail the tail was a miniature tail it wasn't cg and i still i swear to god there's some shots in that movie where i can swear up and down it's got to be a puppet so I don't know if Higuchi and um, Nakagawa are, you know, maybe simpli- simplifying it for translation purposes, or if in fact those shots that I think look like puppets are CG. I just think you're you're a dumbass. <laughs> well, no, there's there there's. Do you not know the scenes I'm talking about? I mean, I've heard people say this, but like, I'm gonna go based on what because because yeah, even in, even like the scene where he's walking between the trees. It looks like a puppet, and it doesn't look like any of the CG models. I mean, I, I know what you're, I know what you're talking about, um, but you know, it's I, suspicious. I feel like, That's all I'm saying. Okay, so let's go back to Higuchi's panel. In Higuchi's panel, he also he had a slide in in very in very much uh, broken English, as we say. But the slide said it went through all these like uh, basically. All the the CG unused footage from the from Shin Godzilla. This was during his panel at G Fest, and one of the slides after that said, "All CG was replaced yes, by practical yes, effects." Yes, I just said Higuchi. I know, said but the I'm just saying thing. you're. But you're trying to argue against both the regular director and the assistant director. And I, I don't also don't trust it. translations. And I just watched the movie. I'm just saying. Don't the guys that make the movie supersede whatever you don't trust? Dude, ask any even even our friends in the in that thread were like, no, that's got to be wrong. Ah, I would whatever. Be, I would be surprised. You're propagating crap theories <laughs> on a kind of podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, bird's wrong. That's all. <laughs> but Just go anyway. on to the next question. God damn it. Uh. <laughs> This is the married couple thing we were talking about earlier, by the way. Um, the things coming out of the tail, um, do they make a full prop of that? I saw I saw some pictures of the, in the Making Up book. It looks like uh, kind of like the Giant God Warrior, which is a short that um, I believe Anno and Higuchi worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, yes, they made that, but we just used the tail part for the last scene and then went back to CGI. Um, here we are doing the Godzilla and Kong films with CG. What did you think of the 2014 Godzilla and the recent uh, Kong Skull Island films? And he said that he loved them. Um, he thought they were very Toho-like. They have a very uh, kaiju pro wrestling vibe. And they feel like they are classic Showa films but made for, with uh, larger Hollywood budgets. Um, and then he referred to them as Hollywood Showa. <laughs> uh, I I don't think that's a completely inaccurate description. I... I, I at least with the 2014 movie, I think maybe tonally between Edwards and what Legendary wanted, I think there's some struggles there. But in the last act, you know, it, it does start to feel more more like, you know, the, uh, one of the older movies. I, I, I forget who it was. Someone even called it like a 
a, a disguise Showa movie. I don't know, but I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting, and it's it's good to see that you know he he likes those. Um, so then I took it back to Day of the Kaiju again, because again, as someone that really likes that short film, I asked if he has any, uh, plans to do any other short films or anything else at this point. Uh, even maybe another indie movie, and he said he does. Uh, right now he's putting together a plan to submit it to the Japanese government, um, and if they like it, they'll give him funding, uh, because uh, that is something where, um, you know, if, the, if, they, if they approve of your script or something, or um, if it, unfor- and unfortunately the reality is if it's not too off message from what the, the, they are trying to portray they will fund a project um and uh so um that's horrific by the way that sounds could you imagine like in order to get your movie funded bird you have to get trump's approval for something like detroit would never get made (laughs) well it's it's interesting well a lot of countries do have you know uh like canada you know they're um, government will provide funding for a project, and you know that way it can be um, part of their tax write-off. So it actually helps the population a little bit. But what's interesting with with the Japan funds is they don't they won't fund anything that's off message from their administration. Now that that doesn't mean it has to be endorsing specifically their message. I, like I mean, look at think of an, something like Mario. You know, Mario isn't endorsing, you know, any it, but it, Mario isn't considered off message because Mario has no message. You know, it's just Mario. <laughs> so um uh so that that's kind of where the difference lies. Um uh, but no, I mean, either way, I mean, I, I was happy to hear he was working on another project of his own, and I, I wished him luck, and I said it's something that I would look forward to seeing. Um, and I asked him if he had any aspirations to do a feature, um, and he said for sure. And uh, if the Japanese government funds what he's working on now, he'll be directing that as well. And he said uh, he'd love to come back and show it to everyone at G-Fest, and, um, you know, I, I, that would be awesome. Uh, and and I told him, you know, I wished him good luck, and I said I hope that happens because, uh, like like to like Taguchi, I mean, he's he's a guy that I think has a, a really interesting approach, and I would love to see more projects from him. Um, and then uh, you know, there we, and then after that, we we pretty much thank him and uh, tell him we look forward to whatever he's doing. And then he he kind of stopped after that, and he kind of wanted to clarify with me. He he said like, "Wait, so you've seen Day of the Kaiju?" And I said, "Yeah, I like it a lot." And then he got really happy, and he said, "Oh, that make, it makes me so happy." Um, and I said, "Yeah, that's why I want you to do more." Um, and and he <laughs> he was just he really got a charge of the fact that I. I was familiar with his short film, and I had enjoyed it, and um, super cool guy. Like I said, I mean, really, just, uh, you know, his attitude and everything, it it felt more like we were just talking to another fan at the convention more than, like, we're talking to a guest, you know, just just like Taguchi. I mean, uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, thanks again to Mike and Keiko for translating these, uh, and thanks to Taguchi, Oshima, and... um, nakagawa for for taking the time to talk to us all awesome people uh if you follow the facebook g fest page there's actually some awesome pictures of the three of them uh in the hotel lobby like uh playing with with bandai toys with some of the the kids (laughs) at the convention and um just really fun uh fun guests this year yeah it was a ton of fun and uh, again just you know shout out to g fest i mean i 
Jeff, uh, Kyle and Tim, I mean, they, you know, they kind of help orchestrate all this stuff. And I'm really, I'm really just thankful. I mean, I never thought when we started this podcast like a year ago that we'd be interviewing people at the rate we've been interviewing. I know we, we have, I mean, and, uh, yeah, we, we really have kind of, um, been able to, to talk to a lot of cool people. Some people that in my wildest dreams, I never would have <laughs> thought, um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that the audio, uh, was terrible and unusable. Um, but I assure you that it exists for whatever reason. If you <laughs> doubt any of the things that any of these people said, I have the audio. Um, yeah, we definitely do. like I said, I mean, we, we were just trying something new with this episode because we really didn't want those to go to waste and we, we wanted to do something in audio form. Um, and if you found this format to be awkward or that it doesn't work, I mean, maybe you're right. Um, and, uh, like I said, if, if that's how you feel, that's, that's no problem. Um, and please go check out, um, the text versions of these on, on, uh, the Mazer Patrol blog. Uh, so that's mazerpatrol.wordpress.com. Uh, thanks again to Kevin at Mazer Patrol for, uh, for hosting the text versions for people that don't want to hear this like weird, awkward thing we're doing. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean the, 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 the interviews survive in this weird thing we just did and in those, uh, the, the text transcripts on Mazer Patrol. So, um, hopefully you enjoyed it one way or the other, whether it was hearing us or going on to Mazer Patrol and reading them. Um, and yeah, I mean, Matt, did you want, should, did you want to talk about the, the upcoming slate that we have as far oh, man. as yeah, so guess? I mean, Cause there's, there's a lot of stuff coming up. There's some, I mean, um, you know, we, we just, so let, let's just think about just this, this year we had, um, Tom Kitagawa. Obviously we had the three interviews we did today. Um, we have an interview already recorded and we're, we're kind of, we're st- I'm still doing some post-production, pr- post-production editing. So after this whole debacle with all the audio stuff, we went out and bought proper audio equipment to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and I got to interview Sonny Chiba um, and Kenji Oba. And Kenji Oba is not probably well as well known, but he's done a ton of stuff. Um, he's Space Sheriff Ga- Gavin, if, if you're into Japanese superheroes. Yeah, but he there's I mean there's a really it's a really good interview, but like the reason both those are relevant to Godzilla, Sonny Chiba basically mentored Kenji Oba, who also mentored Tom Kitagawa, and that all comes out together in the interview. But that's a really cool piece of information I didn't I didn't know about. Um, so that'll be kind of a nice little primer for that interview, which should be out shortly. And I mean, we just we have so many like upcoming. Well, well yeah, so. As far as guests go, guests we're going to have on the podcast. So we're going to have Sonny Chiba. We're going to have Kenji Oba. Um, we are going to have Ed Holland. In September, there will be a brand new Blu-ray release of Willis O'Brien's The Lost World, which was pretty much the first blockbuster film of all time. Uh, and there was a reconstruction with uh, tons of footage thought missing for over 80 years. Uh, so that will be the most complete version, and the person that uh, helped restore it and did the audio commentary, Nick Ciccone, um, he will be here to talk about um, this restoration with all this stuff that we thought was missing. Um, and then on top of that, we have other things uh, that we want to cover. We have, um, uh, we're going to be covering the new Death Note movie. Um, we have... Uh, 
A few more guests that we haven't quite nailed down recording dates and everything yet, so I don't want to put it out prematurely, but there will be more guests. Um, yep. Yeah, like so I, yeah, I mean, and and we have a ton of episodes saved. Uh, I mean, the Heisei Gamera movies. Um, we have a me- commentary for Godzilla vs. Mega Uh We have the Giver. Um, there's a few more in there. So I mean, we just have a lot of stuff that we're going to be putting out, and uh, I think I think all this stuff is stuff that people are going to really get a charge out of, and uh, um, so check. Check out all that stuff when it comes, and again, there will be more surprises littered throughout. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we, we've been very fortunate to be able to make all these connections and do all these guest interviews, and on top of that, just doing what, what we like doing, which is watching monster movies. Yeah, man. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's our G-Fest interviews. Again, for the hundredth time, go to mazerpatrol.wordpress.com and check out the text versions. And uh, keep listening. Matt, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Don't come to me with your technical problems. I can't fix them. He, he really can't. Um, all right. So uh, I guess that'll wrap it up. Uh, so good night, and we will see you next time. <laughs>